Hello everyone, this is the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. Get it. Uh, we're two Wall Street analysts who have disguised our voices and our appearances, um, as you can tell. Also, uh, our aromas. So that, disguised as so well. that uh, we evident. can bring you our, un, our unvarnished and candid um, experienced Opinion. insight yeah. and opinions. Uh, as we uh, review the Value Line Investment Survey every week, this week the July 14th issue, sitting um, around reading Value Line, trying to sharing our thoughts. leverage our experience and uh, uh, relying exclusively on Value Line as a research resource, uh, which is interesting to... this week because all the prices are different probably than what, <laughs> what we're going to be talking like, yeah. about. It's been brutal out there. Well, and an amazing uh, this is an amazing uh, issue as uh, Value Line weekly editions go because. I would say they like at least half of the stocks this week, if you just go by the star system. Well, and everything's cheaper, so they must like it even more. Even more. Yeah. Or uh, less with their but momentum. But, you know, this is, uh, in reality, while we're trying to do our best to pick good stocks and give you good ideas, uh, it's entertainment, folks. We do this for fun, and uh, uh, we may own some of the stocks we talk about. I own and, all of them. Uh, have other uh, interests in them, and would encourage you to uh, go review uh, all the appropriate disclaimers and learn more about us at our website, uh, www.thevalueguys.com. Um, this week, I'm going to spend some time talking about uh, General Electric and why we ought to break the thing up, um, spend a little wow. time on the storage industry. and uh, But first, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, cohort in this uh, crazy, crazy, crazy world, world we call Wall Street. That's right. Val Hughes. Thank you very much, Fern. Uh, I don't know if it's a pleasure to be here today because I don't know if it's a pleasure to be working on Wall Street today. It's just brutal. No, it's uh, not. It's not. Let's clear that yeah, up. Yeah, it's right not now. brutal. Listen, we were around in October no, no, 1987. I mean, it's not a pleasure to be here. Well, I know. October 1987, folks, the stock market was down 25%. I was just going through my attic the other day, and I have the Barron's cover, which is a. Uh, uh, you know, a, a guy uh, looking out from his briefcase trying to wave a white flag. So we're not quite at that level uh, yet. And if you do see that cover on Barron's, it turned out to be a pretty good buy signal. But we do have a lot of turmoil, and the market reacts to this, of course, with fear, uh, which is pretty typical. And, you know, if you're a value guy, that gives you a chance to wade in, do some homework, and, uh, you know, try to pick a price. But there's plenty of bargains uh, being created by these downturns, assuming that not everything goes to hell. I mean, uh, Tootsie Roll's not in this issue, but I'm not sure that oil prices and global turmoil are going to affect their business. It certainly may, but there's going to be some attractive stocks. We're here to try to find some of them, and we're looking through uh, this week's uh, value line. Um, recessions, by the way, are uh, since 1981 about 3% of the month's uh, expansions about 97% of the months. That's a pretty good ratio. We don't really spend our time trying to pick the recession dates. If you buy good businesses at good prices, uh, you know things are going to work out. Pick recession dates. Buy lottery yeah. tickets. More productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the old adage, you know, the pundits uh, they they're, they're able to predict nine of every five recessions. I think maybe their odds are getting you know better than that, but they got a long way to go. Anyway, uh, this week we've got a lot of electronics. Uh, electrical equipment, semiconductors, uh, you know, I've covered some of these areas, uh, but uh, we're not technology analysts by any means, but we read Value Line and uh, we're, you know, we're subscribers. Uh, and It's the quarterly tech hardware issue, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, it really is. And they've got a lot of number one and twos rated in here. 
that of course have been doing well. I think you're seeing technology firms pick up volumes that were lost in the aftermath of Y2K when everyone went on a rampage and overspent on their uh, uh, tech budgets in order to be prepared for Y2K, which occurred in a small country on a different planet. But um, in any case, that led to a lot of excess capacity for many years. I think we're starting to see that come off. Business is pretty good for this sector, and uh, it's reflected in uh, you know Value Line's excitement Corporate about it. Corporate profits are up a lot. Yeah. Companies don't have a lot of good alternatives, and uh, a lot of them are well, constantly investing in systems. Of course. I mean, some of these systems begin to you know control the companies to where the guys that run the systems, if there's any socialism in America, America, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's in the IT departments of large Fortune 100 companies, uh, or even Fortune 1000 companies. Uh, I mean, for, for, shoot, even my company. So, uh, you know, that's uh, I think we got to watch out for that. Anyone that allows outsourcing, if management can get back control of their IT department, I think you're seeing trends to outsourcing that reflect some of that, where you can actually fire an outsourced IT department. And you can interview new IT departments that are actually eager to come and work for you, which is you know so different than your in-house IT department, which is like, call me next week and we'll see if we might well, be able to get yeah, together. They just turn it around. They're so eager for you to work for them. Oh yeah, exactly. So uh, there are some things you can buy in here, some trends. I just the first thing that comes up here is uh, uh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this stock. I don't either. Okay, it's G A R M I N, everybody. And the ticker is G-R-M-N, so much of the actual word. Jarman? Uh, Garmin. 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 Jarman. It's got to be Jarman, and I'm surprised I don't know that. But anyway, Value Line has it rated 1. They moved it to a 1 on May 12th. Uh, I'm just, you know, we get lucky once in a while. We recommended this here back in December of 05, and, you know, that show is archived, by the way, if you want to go take a look at our website. Um, and the stock's nearly doubled since then. You know, Value Line likes it now. Uh, this is a competitive marketplace. We love the product and the trends toward everyone having a GPS system, but you got Trimble out there, and there's some other guys out there, and uh, as it becomes a more entrenched consumer product, there'll be competition. We take profits on Jarman, G-R-M-N, we recommended it last uh, year. Granger, uh, this is on page 1012, for those of you following along in your value line. Granger's rated number three, which was raised from a four, on April 23rd of 04, evidently. What? What? So less unattractive. <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> they haven't revisited this in a quite a long time, over two years. But um, you know, Granger is just a great logistics company. They uh, have a long history of improving returns and improving margins. Didn't as, they have some operating issues a couple years ago? Well, the operating issues were in uh, during the uh, dot-com bubble. There was a time when, of course. All the dot coms were going to take over. I think you know drugstore.com had a higher value, a higher market cap than Walgreens, and uh, you know that's pretty crazy. But uh, at that time, Granger was quite concerned about these dot comers, so their response was to just you know tech up, if you will, and they built about the best uh, industrial-based um, you know, uh, information system online in the in the country, and of course that cost well, they put a lot the of money. Yeah, right? they Which did. It's huge. hundreds of thousands of, of items, and um, you know that cost them a lot of money, and it did hurt their returns for a couple of years. They are now reaping the benefits of that, the incremental cost to keep that thing going, and of course it's a giant competitive advantage. One of the interesting things about these companies is you think they can't go to China because distribution is a you know commodity, and anybody can move stuff 
stuff around in trucks. Well, uh, Granger now has an IT, you know, a system, a software system that's proprietary, in-house, portable to other nations, and uh, you know they're going to operate it. So I, I think there's a chance that the world's bigger for Granger now, in large part because they have this proprietary technology. Hey, face it, society's better off for our friends at WW Granger. Well said, Vern. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it's true. I mean, making your world a better place. Well, if the Chinese can get more efficient, it certainly helps all of us. That's and scary, they're doing actually. that here in America. You know, despite the view that there's the death of industrial America, I was just looking at these statistics the other day. Industri and you're, you know a lot about this. In total industrial output in America is 2x what it was, you know, 10 years ago with fewer people. That means more productivity. That means guys with trucks that know where they're driving are taking the right thing to the right place at the right time. Time. That's W.W. Granger. You just have to pay a 4% premium to the S&P multiple for you know this great company. I'm waxing on and on out here. They have 16% returns on capital predicted for this year. Absolutely no debt. Uh, they're trading at you know a little more than I'd like to pay, but I just think it's a great company. 15 times cash flow, and uh, but they are buying stock back. No debt. I think this is a play on industrial. Uh, know-how expanding internationally, name, i.e., uh, the whole BRIC economies out there, uh, Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, they're going to be involved. I think Granger is just a good, safe holding. Uh, moving along, Hubble on page 1014, Hubble, H-U-B-B. Uh, now, this is something I want to talk about. I like it a little bit. They've got two classes of stock, which I don't like. Hubble makes electrical equipment for commercial, industrial, utility customers, low-voltage products, wiring, lighting fixtures, etc. A bunch of stuff that... Uh, so not really residential. No, it's more uh, commercial. Non commercial, non-residential. And, uh, you know, commercial in the world is growing. We certainly know that as capitalism grows and the world democracy drives more capitalism, etc. And they've got some expertise well, in that. it's booming It's here. booming, it's boom. And they should see some peak returns, which they're not quite at. Last cycle, they got a little higher than they are now. They have been using free cash flow to buy back stock. They're trading 12 times cash flow. Again, a little more than I like. I do think there's another year or two of this uh, you know, expansion for these folks. Raw material prices are hurting them a little bit, but it uh, looks like pricing is going to cover that. And uh, you know, there's a little concern here that they're going to spend their free cash flow on acquisitions that don't make sense. But I what's, mean, the, what's the market cap? Uh, this thing is uh, three billion as yeah, of the well, published date. So, and the, and the return on capital is in the mid-teens. Well, it's does moving. The, it's, does the yeah. dual class of stock prevent somebody going after them? Well, it 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 very well may. might. Yeah, we yeah. we can't really tell that from here, but I would suspect that it does the voting rights. So. But about whoever has that stock is either, you know, there's so much pressure on these companies. The New York Times, I think, went to a single class of stock. Uh, you know, company after company that I can think of has, has done this. Uh, these guys' time will come for that. And, uh, you know, it looks like a decent way to play, again, nice industrial yield. expertise, almost 3% yield. I don't know much about this. It looks like a way to play a continued industrial expansion. Uh, moving along, Aero Electronics, ticker ARW, value line rates is a three. The best thing about this is it's cheap. It's 11 times earnings. It's a 38% discount to the S&P 500 multiple. Uh, they've got uh, setting about nine times. Uh, Free cash flow. Well, nine times cash flow, uh, gross cash flow, and but then about... Uh, 
10 times free cash flow in a very competitive distribution business. They're improving their operating margins steadily in the last five years. They've been improving their returns on capital. They're still low teens, but they have no debt. They're smart enough probably in their business not to leverage that. They've got a lot of operating leverage, so they stay you know, safe with the balance sheet. But this says to me this is a good management team. They grow a little bit by acquisition, which can be misinterpreted in this business as not being organic growth. But really what they're doing is they're using an existing sales force. They buy companies that have distribution rights with additional manufacturers, and they leverage an existing sales force with new products that roll in. And you generally have to buy a company to get the distribution rights because some of those contracts are long-lived. Uh, next couple quarterly comparisons look very strong. They've got 37% uh, debt to cap. These guys have been around forever. They've got some great uh, franchises. And, uh, you know, I think you can wade in here. They're cheap, cheap, cheap. And I'm a buyer. Arrow, A-R-W. Uh, let me get to this one here. Uh, Flextronics, ticker F-L-E-X. This thing is on page uh, 10. 30 in your value line. It's just a contract manufacturer. It's a contract manufacturer. That's right. What? Well, what what's, about what's it? What's good about that? What's, what's good what's about, attractive it? about it? Well, I don't know. What, what, do you... are, what are the returns like? That? Well, let me tell you something here. The returns are bad. B-A-D. Bad. What do you, what do you <laughs> well, have to say about that? Well, then I want more of that. All right. Well, the chart looks good from my point of view. They're okay. selling a little bit cheap. They're yeah. selling at, you know, six times cash flow. Uh, they're slowly improving their operating margin. They're slowly improving their net return margin. They're slowly improving their return on capital. Look at this. They have virtually no debt. Well, I'm sorry, 22% debt to cap, but their coverage on that looks to be, uh, let me see here. I can't really tell. 80. Help me out, Vern. Well, it's only 20% of total cap. Yeah, I'm not that so worried about it. Yeah, I'm not worried it. about it. Uh, you know, and I just think this might be an interesting way to play companies focus on core expertise, willingness to outsource. They just want a big contract actually from Nortel, which you may have heard of. They make the big switches that drive the telephone networks. Uh, that's the old Northern Telecom. They've just decided to have Flextronics build all their stuff. So that's $2 billion a year it's going to roll in. Uh, cell, cell phone handsets are going to come in. It looks like they have a growing expertise not only in building a lot of stuff, but in um, leveraging relationships they have with, with large companies that can outsource additional stuff as they, uh, as they succeed in the, uh, in the first year's order or something like that. Nortel could probably uh, lead to a lot of additional big contracts just from the brand name of that. Oh, it's a well-respected company. Yeah, that. so uh, next couple comparisons are going to be pretty decent. company has... Uh, you know, I think uh, some some good upside here. You know, if you do get a downturn in tech, I guess the underlying assumption here is that this upturn in tech is going to continue for a little while. We are about to get a technology upgrade with Windows. You've got Linux coming up, gaining share. Uh, you got Google, you know, trying to take uh, Office products online. So there's a lot going on. There's going to be a lot of products manufactured, I'm assuming, and a lot of consumer products. And traditional manufacturers, I'm just guessing, don't want to take additional leverage by building capacity. They'd rather outsource well, during the end part of a cycle. This industry wouldn't exist if that weren't true. Yeah. Well, obviously. Ob obviously. Obviously. I love obviousness. Thank you. Okay, Plantronics. Obviousness. Exactly. We're in favor of that. Yes. Plantronics. Here's another stock loaded with obviousity, if you want to ask me. It's rated 5 by Value Line, PLT, Plantronics. These companies are industrial headset makers. They pretty well control 
a big part of the sort of office industrial call center market, which is largely a replacement market, and they have a well-regarded, uh, you know, franchise at the high end for their technology and. Uh, and, and of course, they're the they're the folks that uh, Neil Armstrong wore the headset, and uh, you know the famous line that's one small step for uh, man, uh, one giant leap for mankind. For Thank you for Plantronics. <laughs> they that's them. They can you know they can show the image and they can create that image of uh, Plant, superior technology. Plantronics. See, I always thought that had something to do with like the plants. They that's a common hill mis misperception. Stuff. Yeah, no, they don't do that. Now here's what they did to address or... that. Let me just okay. okay. Let me just address. Why don't now, they call it like like communications well, enterprises. I don't tech. know, Vern. I mean, I don't know. They have a, a funny name, and they're not a plant company. No one's heard of them, really, because no one works in an industrial call center out there. But what they did to solve this, here's what's going on. They make a great headset. They earn 20% returns on capital, no debt, great cash flow forever. And guess what? There's this thing called convergence of headsets going on. Right now, you folks out there and us, I mean, you got a cell phone that's Bluetooth, so you need an ear set. A lot of cities, you can't even talk on a cell phone. It's got to be wireless. You got an MP3 player that might have high fidelity sound. You're ultimately going to want to listen to that. And you have, you may have a game. You may have a, a you know, a game that requires headsets. Uh, you may want to listen to your television in the same room as someone who's quietly studying, and you may need a headset. I don't know, but the world is moving to a point where you're going to need a headset more of the day, more of the time. Most of the time, likely. Yeah, and these guys have a shot, and they're taking it right now, to be at the top of the headset food chain. Who owns the high end of headsets? You got Sony out there, but if you have an Apple, you're not going to buy a Sony. Let's face it. You got uh, Philips, but they blow every consumer product they ever introduce. You've got Koss, which I love because it's an old line Milwaukee company that like invented the headphones, so they're still around, but let's face it, they're not going to own the high end of this thing. So what happens here is it's a little bit of a free-for-all. One way in is to get people used to using your brand on their cell phone, and then you want to upgrade them to a more expensive product that can do your cell phone and your MP3 player. So that's their double secret strategy. In one year, they've acquired Alltech Lansing. I don't think it's double secret. Well, anymore. a lot of people have read about it, but they've handled it really very poorly in terms of explaining what they're doing. That's the service I'm trying to provide right now. So ably. It, yeah, well, listen, I think this is an interesting idea that's very misunderstood. It's an opportunity right now. Plantronics is trying to get a slot in this headphone business, and they are basically giving away these starter Bluetooth sets uh, at the phone stores so that you get used to seeing them attached to your headset uh, with your cell phone. So, you know, you're going to see the analysts covering the stock. They're all industrial analysts. What they know is industrial companies that have schedules and, you know, replacement cycles. And Joe at the golf course tells them when to ship over the thing. And then they, they laugh and have a drink. I mean, that's what they're used to. Wow, and such insight into the ways of thank business. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what, tell me, is that how it is or what? So, I, I, I believe so. Okay. I've read about that myself. Now, so these guys, now they're moving into the consumer market. The stock market has punished this because all the analysts heard on the most recent conference call that they might have and were likely to have negative free cash flow in this upcoming quarter, and that spooked everyone. And also, they're going to have lower gross margins. Well, the analysts all gasped because they've never seen anything, unless had they opened up the Apple computer annual report, they might have noticed that these consumer-related 
companies do have these negative cash flow quarters when they're putting inventory into somebody's store and they don't get paid and uh, you know they have to wait for it to sell through and it's not always real smooth like a replacement cycle it's choppy there's holidays there's Father's Day there's there's uh, well they don't sell them on Mother's Day but there's Columbus Day there's uh, Arbor Day there's Labor Day there's Veterans Day uh, Christmas, etc. I don't go out on Arbor Day. Anymore. Well, everyone's getting headsets the crush, on these holidays. And so they're really taking a hit right now to get penetration. They're getting visibility, market share. Their plan is to migrate these initial sets into a real consumer business using both the Plantronics name, the Altec Lansing name. They've got some important uh, alliances already, uh, including uh, Microsoft. The Xbox 360 is uh, is uh, endorsing the Plantronics product. Uh, I was in a in a subway uh, in Atlanta the other day. I saw this uh, cool looking guy, you know, with his headset on and his backpack, and he was doing something with his MP3. You know what it was? Alltech Lansing. It had the microphone that swings down. This guy was plugged in. He's where we're all going to be in. Uh, you know, hopefully not that soon, but you know, maybe three to five years, you're going to see headsets. We're all Here, going to Atlanta. Let me posit this to you: How many people do you see holding cell phones to their ear, walking around? That's a city filled with one-armed people. Now, think about how many people do you see you know, walking that's, around? That's actually true. I know. How many people are walking around holding a monocle to their eye? I'm asking you. No one. You know why? I do. The eyeglass was invented. It's like, hey, better control. look, this monocle can stay on if I hook it onto my head in some way. Better refractive adjustment capability. I think this insight, believe me, this ability to have both ears hooked up by having something on your head instead of you know having you know one arm out of use is going to catch on. It's catching on now. Anyway, Plantronics, 20% discount to the S&P. It's about nine times free cash flow. They're going to recover nicely. We got a nice piece of news recently because uh, Jabra, the brand that everybody's worried about, has lost half their market share in Best Buy and Circuit City to Plantronics, and they've also been unsuccessful. This is on their own recent uh, earnings guidance down. They've been unsuccessful in having any success penetrating Plantronics core industrial call center market, which was also of concern to the market. And with the sell-off, sell I know, because I own this one, if you haven't figured that out, uh, is uh, you know now under 20. It's published here in the value line of 22. That's a strong table pounding buck. Now all I have left, I need to give some time here to Vern. I'm just long No, really, to... I'm, I'm just enjoying this. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? Well, enjoy. Go enjoy on, away. Please. All right. So now I'm at uh, semiconductors, which, again, I know nothing about, but that doesn't stop me from going on and on about it. So advanced micro devices, 1049, if Are you're you following. Are you going to flog up. Intel again? No. No, I'm flog not. Means what? You like it in your promotion. I, whatever you're saying idea. to me, I'm sure I'm not going to do it. <laughs> But let me just now, whatever flogging is, I whatever it is, I'm not interested. I know, but could you just jot down what it is on a paper? Now I want to revisit advanced micro devices, page 1049. We've talked about this because I was a table pounding bear on this thing. Everybody seemed to love it, and yet they were spending five times their cash flow on 
R&D just to get a tiny lead in one year on Intel. Intel spends five times the R&D every year, and I'm sure they just viewed the product that AMD was crushing its balance sheet on as something that they just, oh, well, let them have that one. You know, it's like letting a pitch from Roger Clemens go by. Whatever. You know, we'll get the next one. Well, it's like you want to, you know, you don't want to send the dorky kid home in tears. No, get, let him have him, one. He can play out in <laughs> right field. Right, give him one. They work so hard. Yeah, let him let him have one at bat. Let him have this one. So hey, that's what they built. Walking so he yeah, can get on exactly. to. He'll have so, more fun. so Intel let advanced micro devices get one, and so they got a guy on second base. But uh, you know now they're just uh, they're they're in a little bit of trouble here. The markets recognize that the stock has fallen. Meantime, Intel is also going down, although not as much. It's been going down for a long while because people, it seems, fear a market share gained by AMD, which they had on basically, you know, one product. And Intel, again, ladies and gentlemen, five times the R&D budget of AMD. I don't care what product you have a lead on. you got to spend R&D to have a lead next year. These things don't just, oh, we've invented this microchip. Why don't we all go to the beach now and enjoy our success? I mean, you got to spend money year after year AMD can't do it Intel's trading at a, just a slight premium to the S&P 500 that's what makes me crazy about the uh, the hysteria of the uh, of the tech investment landscape I mean advanced micro everybody wants to be there if there's anything because it could be alchemy yeah, there, yeah, well, it might be. And then I'd be too late if I missed it. It could be Microsoft Well, they again. should turn their stock price into a higher number if they really can do it because it's under pressure. Intel, I'm a buyer. I think it's a cheap way to play what's, you know, obviously just defended a monopoly. And uh, the final one I want to talk about is, uh, and I've taken uh, a lot of time here today. I'm sorry, everyone, but uh, whatever. Turn never, it. never yeah, apologize okay, never for apologize. dispensing Wall Street wisdom. That's true. That's true. People they have to make money off Ingram things, Micro. So. I am value line rates at two. I you know oftentimes look for something to disagree with them on. This one I think they have right. Ten times free cash flow, eight times cash flow. These guys have a growing share of electronics distribution, wholesale distribution, computers, products, electronics, value added uh, products in around the world, and uh, they seem to have some little niche in. Uh, you like distribution businesses, don't you? Well, what's you have no risk. I don't think you have, I mean, because uh, it's a unit, it's a business of unit economics, and so uh, if you can, you know, if you can get a little price here and there, uh, or efficiency here and there. Technology uh, changes creates, you know, some temporary ripples in your business, but, um, you know, if yeah, you change diversify the chip, your product line, and, uh, you know, you're going to get a shot to, to, to continue to grow with the leaders. If you do your mm -hmm. job, you're going to get mm -hmm. access to mm -hmm. product, and it's a better efficiency for everyone. Uh, so, you know, I don't need to go on about it. Good company, Ingram. Excuse me, everyone. I am. I guess I could say a few things. They look like they're growing their penetration in Latin America, which has a lot of years let, yet to consolidate this industry. So there's going to be a lot of market share growth down there. And uh, it looks like with their international expansion, they just are going to be a way to play international uh, technology growth. Let's which, not get carried away about Latin America. I mean, probably what? All of South America has the equivalent GDP of... Arizona or something? Uh, no. You got Brazil down oh, there. Okay. You right. got Argentina. Right. I Argentina. think maybe California. Okay. California would be about the right. 15th largest California. economy. That would, that would yeah. matter. Okay. I think that's right. Okay. Anyway, uh, broad exposure, tech markets gaining share of GDP all around the world, Ingram gaining share of tech markets, stock at a 40% discount. I'm a buyer. And with that, 
And, Thank you for and listening. Vern about to gain share of this week's edition of the That's right. Let me turn it over to Vern Value. First, a uh, beverage, beverage break. break. Traditionally, clink. Clink. Oh. Uh, thank you, Val. Um, I'll try to I'll try to be quick and kind of wrap it up here so that we don't <laughs> Sorry. test everyone's patience. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to uh, three stocks each and two of Value Line's uh, industry groups today. Um, first out of computers and peripherals, uh, Hewlett Packard. I, you know, I, as we've talked before, I like to immediately go to the things that Value Line likes because they have such a great track record of being able to pick stocks with their system. So, uh, if I can find a one that actually has some value, then I figure you're the adding best of value. both worlds. That's right, right? Um, Hewlett Packard. Um, finally, um, you know, ditch the compact name, kind of getting over that whole. Uh, uh, fiasco, the if you will. The whole back of a napkin thing. I miss it. Um, you know, uh, revenue growth has been uh, restored. Okay. Terrific. Um, and the discount to the market uh, multiple, the valuation discount for HP is, uh, or HPQ as it is now. I think they beat um, back the Dell, the Dell threat in back. printers. Well, they're actually, and they're gaining share in, uh, uh, they've been gaining share in the uh, personal computer market as well. Um, they've sort of restored the luster, I think, of the brand in consumer channels. And uh, um, and with that, I mean, it's nearly a market multiple. The stock's up a lot from lows of a couple years ago amid all that concern, but it's kind of stalled lately. You know what they're celebrating this year, my friend, if I'm not mistaken? What are they celebrating this year? They are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the HP-12. Who doesn't know about that. That was the financial calculator introduced by HP in 1981 that changed the world. The I'm, HP 12 of their. I'm looking at the breakdown of their business today. They have six segments. Uh, the largest is imaging and printing. It's less than 30% of sales, but more than half of earnings. It's a yeah. traditional uh, printer business. I believe the HP 12 would be in this other segment. It's just sentimental. That's 1%. all. It's sentimental. And <laughs> they it, just I make them you, for museums. Well, of course, the when world, you talk about luster of the brand, I think there's a lot of folks it's like the electronic me. slide rule, basically, isn't it? If a slide no one, rule no can calculate the IRR on a 20 cash and flow, nobody knows how to use yeah. an HP 12. <laughs> Well, I do. Well, the, well know, email us if you need to know how to work an HP. People a slide rule cannot hand, do an IRR calculation. To tan a hide by hand as well. You know, some yes. of those gifts aren't appreciated as much. Well, anymore. is it the 25th anniversary of a hide tanning um, product or what? You know, it, it, HPQ now at 10 times cash flow, but um, you know there is some capex in this business, so more like 15 times free cash flow. Um, it, there's references here by Value Line about focusing on profitability, beefing up the sales force. They've launched a major restructuring. If my math's right, that could add about 30 cents of earnings to. Uh, a roughly $2 run rate right now, so not incidental. I don't know how quickly you get that, but uh, uh, maybe within a couple years because it's mostly people, 15 million. I don't know what that does to your top line. Be beef up Salesforce, take out other people. I mean, something's got to. Well, maybe Salesforce some is more uh, commission based and, uh, you know, variable costs, and these guys are fixed costs. But return on capital has been restored to above cost of capital levels in like the 13 range. Their operating margins are back in double digit territory. Um, there's, you know, not there's debt, but this is a 91 billion market cap company, folks. It's 6% of total capital. So, um, not you know, not a bad, I, I can't get real excited about it. 
Um, but I think there's the possibility to restore the multiple here and get some more expansion, assuming they uh, execute the well, restructuring program. Well, versus buying okay. the S&P 500 index, you well, buy and, you, and you'd want to, you know, you want to own some exposure here. So very high quality way to do it at a reasonable valuation. You know, as I say, the stock's kind of been going sideways. But um, I got to tell you, I don't think the valuation story is as strong as it is for storage. And I love storage because the thing that I'm finding is that most people that uh, uh, have the opportunity to have essentially unlimited digital storage available to them. We'll keep everything. And, yeah, we're uh, a, we're a culture of uh, collectors. <laughs> we have sure. pack rats, uh, and uh, since people have poor ability to uh, catalog and cross-reference all the documents and files that they've accumulated over time in all kinds of different programs of different versions on different computers. They, they want to save everything because they're scared to death they're going to throw they away something that they don't forget want. something. Yeah. Um, and in that environment, I you know, this has been a very difficult place to, to earn good returns because of the commoditization of a large piece of the market. Technology moves very quickly here. A lot of pricing pressure. Uh, the Cadillac business, of course, in storage, EMC. Value line says three. I say one. I think this is something. I think now's the time for EMC. Um, the market cap here is 26 billion. They design, manufacture, market support, support, important point, high performance storage products and software. I mean, the entire business is storage. Uh, they are, as I say, the leader. Um, there's, a, a, there's essentially no debt. Uh, a $13 billion um, um, uh, book value with over $3 billion in cash. Now, that's going to come down some for a big acquisition they announced recently. Is that but, the, was that but I'm the, telling uh, you, the return on capital at around 10% reflects an overcapitalized balance Are they sheet. buying the security firm? They're buying RSA security yeah, for $2.3 billion. It seems like the guys who want to store all their documents also want them uh, encrypted as well. Well, and they want to be able to control that and try to make that pro use that as product differentiation in a business that is susceptible and has been proven to be susceptible to commoditization. And that's, so the stock's down. That's going to be a dilutive deal. The stock's them. down on that because there's a little bit of dilution. The earnings uh, per share run rate right now is around 50, 60 cents. And I guess it's going to dilute earnings by three cents or something. And you know how the technology world is. Immediately, uh, you know, you have to be paranoid in tech right. land. So, you know, maybe it's going to be diluted by a dime, okay? But uh, the stock's at 11. What the market won't understand is it reduces their cost of acquiring another customer well, because they have such more of a compelling offer. And this significant dilution is priced in. The stock at a recent price at 11. I'll bet you it's below this today. Right. Down so in effect, a buyer of the stock today is highs making earlier a lower this year around 15. The high for the last four years around 15. The lows have been nine, ten, eleven dollars, kind of where hmm. we are now. So it's been beat up over this. They, uh, they, uh, um, I think they may have missed a quarter. They had a what do we got here? We have a temporary uh, um, issue based on product transition that cost them some business, I guess. Uh, in the high end of the market, that's a temporary issue. Um, you know, the, the earnings comparisons don't look that great because most of the year-to-year -year growth in earnings per share has been eaten up by the adoption of the options expense accounting. But the number is not egregious. I think it's $0.07 cents a share 
on a base of 50, 60 cents, much less than a lot of other people. If I had that and I added it to value lines 55 cents, I'd be doing 62 over 53 a year earlier. Not a bad comparison. Next year I'm looking at 63 over 55, including the options numbers. That was pretty good. Years, so. pretty good. Got decent earnings growth. It's 11 times cash flow. Like I say, overcapitalized. This is uh, changing into, you know, this was a great growth story at one time, but this is now a value story. Uh, it's a manufacturing business, if you will. Uh, and if they don't recapitalize, um, it'll be recapitalized for them, if you get my drift. Uh, private equity is going to be looking at, there are very nice returns here. Operating margins are in the 20s. Return on capital at 10% is not the story. So for cash flow, great name, okay? Uh, I hate to go on and on, but... Um, I mean, this is something you get in and out of. No that problem. sounds like a really good idea. McData, um, who has EMC as a big customer traditionally, makes um, something called high availability storage area network director switches, which are used over fiber channel networks. I don't know what all this stuff is, but apparently it's some kind of hardware used to manage growth in storage capacity. And hmm. I gather traditionally EMC and IBM have been their biggest customers. They were more than half of sales last year, but the run rates declined to, I guess, more like 40. No, wait. Um, their business outside of those guys, well, it's down is the point. I'm not going to get hung up on the numbers. Um, they've been cutting some costs, and they've taken some non-recurring expenses, and I guess that unsettles people a little bit because it, at least in the first quarter, it, you know, it meant they lost money, and maybe, uh, maybe the market didn't have visibility on that. But the stock's around four. It was five earlier this year, topped out at six last year, and ten the year before. I'm going to bet because of concern about being so reliant on EMC. Why am I going on and on about this little stock? It's 625 million market cap, a lot of customer concentration. I'll tell you, folks, because according to Value Line, it's at four times free cash flow with operating margins in the 20s. Return on capital doesn't look all that great, but uh, um, I've got a an equity market cap of 625. According to Value Line, at the end of 2006, I've got book value of 575. So just a little over one times book um, sales higher than uh, equity market cap. So, you know, they have a low return on capital, but I think Value Line includes debt in the capital base, and yet it's offset by uh, the cash. Thank you for, you see, I had it marked, and I forgot to mention this. Cash has been building since 2004, and right now they've got more than they have debt, so there's not really any... Uh, so the return on again, capital over, might be twice over what they're Just like EMC, but these companies have been running scared for so long, they've been operating too fat. And what's going to happen is the private equity industry where people get paid significant sums of money for executing transactions with a little yeah, less emphasis find. on return, they're going, to, they're going to see these cash flow opportunities and go after them. Okay, enough about storage. Um, I'm going to switch to electrical equipment now, primarily so I can talk about GE. Um, I just want to catch, capture Value Line in their overview of the industry. Makes the comment uh, that, they, that Value Line should be able to shield itself from any considerable economic turbulence. The traditional argument for GE being the diversification being attractive, you know, a growth stock absolutely it was in the 90s. Uh, but a growth stock, it is no well, more, Well, you know what, folks. people, I, I have a bone to pick about GE because, uh, you know, Jack Welch and all and his reputation and the stock chart in the 90s, everything looks great. And, so, you know, you have that view. They were a growth stock. Basically, when Jack Welch came in, the debt to capital at GE was about zero. 
and when he went out it was about 90 percent and that whole time he built up a financial services industry which isn't it convenient that debt in a financial services company shouldn't be counted in the total capital that's what Wall Street's been convinced of and yet while he was doing that he was basically levering up the company the whole time and if you go and you look at it, the holding company level how much a holding company equity is made up of financial services business it's approaching 40%, and yet management, when they're out talking about their company and its contribution to the world, they're always talking about the great industrial company they are and how committed they are. And yet every year, the component of the company, the percentage of the income that's coming from financial services goes up, up, up. And they're also being given, I think, a pass on disclosure. In 2005, finance, uh, commercial, and consumer contributed a third of earnings uh, NBC another 15% so there's half the company well they're also when they say that there's leasing businesses that are sort of not in those things that you have well, to, and they've been acquiring yeah. in the space as well yeah. so I mean your point your points yeah. right on I, we've complained about this in, in prior shows the the lack of transparency um, in while the they tout transparency that's is, what's is very difficult um, I, you know it, it has a 3% yield and the stock's basically gone sideways for the last three years, despite massive portfolio rejiggering in this. What do they do in revenue? They have like 150 billion in revenue on the, you know, the value line says is going to 200 billion. Um, you know, moving the needle. I mean, this is worse than trying to turn a uh, an aircraft carrier with a uh, one of those little uh, swimmers or something oh, yeah. like that. You know. Yeah, there's no way. Um, there's no the only way to transform this is to start you know, they selling just, big chunks. They just of reported it. results, and they, uh, you know, they were touting double-digit order growth in like five out of the six segments that they report. The other business was down, but they showed shareholders four percent earnings growth. They always um, can obfuscate reality somehow over I there. Think honest to God, I, I think it's sort of like a bond, and it's got an embedded option on what you might get if the market finally forces them to break this thing up, which I think becomes more and more likely the longer the stock the stock goes nowhere, no matter what's happening fundamentally. Just through the demand for transparency. If you look at the, I, you know, I, I don't have an analysis prepared here, and I haven't done one, but I'm going to look at a couple things here. I've got a PE below 17, okay? I don't, I'm not paying a market multiple for this conglomeration, but in terms of my businesses, I've got a uh, commercial and consumer finance business that is very well managed and one of the uh, strongest franchises in the industry, um, growing faster than the industry, I believe, um, and probably something that can sustain at least the kind of multiple that I'm getting today. Well, they're a big rail uh, lessor, and that's helping them right now. And they bought Heller Financial a few years ago. It's probably helping them right now. Uh, you've got uh, a uh, the world's leading aircraft engine franchise, their major player in power generation, things that have huge installed bases and generate huge returns on capital that would get amazing prices if they were sold or could be valued as a more meaningful portion of an industrial business, say. This probably should go in at least three different pieces. Do they still um, have a nuclear uh no, I, I yeah no actually they do, yeah. And they So that's uh, coming in vogue they're running a some bit. well <laughs> they're running some risk though with uh, um, intellectual property because they've uh, they've had to bring the you know kind of lift the dress a little bit for the Chinese to secure a big position in that market you know the law of large numbers is at work here this thing is just simply too big 
Uh, in this, you know, people in the in the 90s when this was considered a growth stock and they were putting up really nice earnings per share growth, 15% kind of became the mantra and everybody else tried to adopt a GE model so they could do the same steady 15% right. every year. The business, the size it is now and composed as it is, even with all the emphasis they've put on life sciences and healthcare, I'm telling you 15% growth in a single year is going to be heroic. The edge that GE ended up having was low cost capital. Everyone thought, you know, they're still one of the few triple-A credits, they may be the only one remaining, and that gave them an edge in acquisitions, and then they would write off, you know, restructuring costs to their asset base, so they were always able to show incremental improvements in ROI, but it was always offset by the multiples they had to pay for the acquisitions, but then they'd write off some assets, so it was all, you know, it was all sort of a magic show over there, it was really them levering up, buying things, levering up, that's the story. Uh, you know, Value Line uh, has uh, GE rated three this week, so we're uh, I guess we're, we, uh, do too. we have a strategic call here that's different than I, I I don't know that Value Line isn't right near term. The stock may not be going anywhere, but uh, I want to own this for the three percent yield and the and opportunity buyout. for something for the market to impose its invisible hand because they have great businesses invisible fist on their own. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am then going to take and spend just a few minutes talking about the one-rated stocks that Value Line has in the electrical equipment industry, Belden and General Cable, two uh, cable companies. And we have a we have a strategy here for you. We're not actually recommending you buy these stocks now, um, but value, immediately after the show. No, no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you know at this hour it would be difficult to do, but. That's true. Uh, uh, what I'm advocating is looking for an opportunity to buy these stocks after an upcoming quarter when I'm going to guess that they're going to get revalued. They may already be down significantly from the prices I'm looking at. Let's, uh, we'll do, uh, how about we do Belden first? This is a business that came out of Cooper uh, a number of years ago. I don't know um, these at all. They make, uh, they design, manufacture, and market wire, cable, and cord products. So basically the cord uh, that's connecting, uh, your uh, computer to uh, the power oh, this source, one? Et cetera. Yeah, that that's cord? the one. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, uh, and and used in a zillion different uh, applications. Transmission of voice, data, or video. Industrial and factory automation. Entertainment, OE, used in broadcast and communications. Telecom. Um, this is uh, one of the better businesses in this industry. They have about a billion and a half annual revenue. That's about what the market cap is. Uh, there's not a lot of debts. 19% debt cap, according to uh, Value Line. They're putting. They're in a period of some nice growth. Um, the economy's growing, so it's a cyclical business ultimately. What about uh, copper prices, that kind of thing? Well, thank you for that nice segue. Yeah, I because I own Andrew. It's going down. This copper. business is going to get rocked right now. The uh, Free cash flow looks like it's supposed to be about 275 next year, which would be about 12 times at current prices. But I'm telling you, free cash flow is in danger of being significantly lower and certainly perceived to be significantly lower after we get this upcoming second quarter reported. Because I don't know what Belden's hedge position has been, but it's been difficult for big users of copper to hedge most of their position because prices are up so much. It's just very difficult to go to senior management or the board and say that your strategy is to 100 percent hedge yourself at a price that's up 250 percent off of a year earlier so um, they I'm gonna guess have to have some exposure um, yeah. even if they even if they are fully hedged the hedge will ultimately roll off and, and then you're paying market prices and then you're paying market prices anyway yeah. <laughs> and the reason I'm harping on this is that in the second quarter which is only starting to be reported 
Copper prices, spot prices were up, I'm not sure exactly, 30-40%. Value line makes the observation that in March, in the general cable write-up, that copper averaged two and a quarter a pound. I don't know what the second quarter average is, but it's well north of $3, folks. We're down copper, off the peak, but we're still no, we've up returned, year over year. Uh, no, no, we've oh. returned to... It had come off of peaks, you know, it yeah. peaked out like at 380, came down in the low threes, like three yeah. and a quarter. It's back oh, up back to like up. 360, 370 oh, again. Crap. There's the threat of a work slowdown at the Escondida mine in Chile, which is the world's largest copper mine, I think second largest maybe. Does but, Inco do copper? Uh, no, Inco's a, uh, I think it's a nickel, nickel play. Yeah. But Phelps Dodge does copper. Well, where the heck are they? Get going. Yeah, Jeez. well, and the, you know, the, that's what a Make bunch of suppliers of products to those companies would like to know. They know where uh, it is. Go get it. Come even on. Value Line notes that uh, margins have been pressured by copper prices at Belden. And of course, they're writing before this massive, like, next wave of inflation hit. So, uh, general oh cable, a little more expensive at 15 times free cash flow. Its margins aren't as attractive, has better return on capital, um, but it's probably because it's significantly more leveraged, 60% debt to cap. That stock's been basically a moonshot. Both of them are near highs. I think that's going to change yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. And you might be able to buy some decent businesses at some pretty substantial discounts. I mean, given the way uh, industrial stocks have been being revalued and earnings misses have been being penalized by, uh, you know, severe markdowns, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, and sometime soon we're talking about 20, 30% below the levels I'm looking at Are here. Are these just commodity? commodity well, or? it's very difficult to differentiate the product, but there's a lot of, uh, there's constant churn in product development. Um, and so there are some barriers to entry. Um, it's also a, uh, a business that depends importantly on logistics because you're serving a lot of uh, very sophisticated end markets. And they've got uh, sales products. folks and such that are in, designed in, so they're working with their uh, uh, customers. Hand in glove and, with yeah. the customer. Mm -hmm. You design the cable specifically. So it's hard to, it's hard to, to dislodge that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so anyway, GE now, but uh, the cable companies look for uh, pending disappointment. We like storage a lot. EMC, a fabulous name with tremendous cash flow. A lot of strategic kind of calls for my group today. Um, and with that, I'm, uh, I'm happy Happy to uh, turn it over to you for a final comment from Val. Comment uh, my from best Val. pick today, I think, is maybe Plantronics, but I own it, so I am probably yeah, biased let's on downplay that. downplay that. Yeah, a but bit. I oh, own come it. on, the stock's okay. been walloped and it's got great right, cash flow. Right, profile. I think it's a buy. It's a buy. Anyway, that one and Arrow, which I don't own, but really think it's a, a great opportunity, and that's all I have this week, Vern. So uh, this has been the Value Guys with uh, Value Line Observer. Thanks for tuning in. We went a little long this week. Uh, catch us at our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where all our shows back to late 2005 are archived. And we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again next week. Good night, everybody. Saying.